But we want to go to the next level. And so as I was in my prayer time, I felt the Lord lay in my heart for me not to teach on praise today. But we have four competent, highly skilled and anointed words four in this house. And there are others that are coming up under their under their uh, auspices, under their covering and their, their their mantle. But each one of these worship leaders could be leading worship uh, uh, in their own right at any church in our in our city. And we get all four of them. And as I said, youth are coming up and others are coming up. So it's just awesome. But you also need to be a worshiping church where they are leading us, but they are developing the, a culture of worship. So today is an opportunity, especially for some of you who are uncomfortable with worship. I remember that. I remember the first time I decided to raise my hands, I went home alone in my living room, made sure nobody else was around, and I got on my knees and I raised my hands and I looked around because it felt kind of weird. That's how I started, okay? I get it, all right? It's a little, it's a little uncomfortable, but today is not, nobody's expecting you to do anything. Clapping hands, raising your hands, dancing. There's no expectations, but it is an invitation to you today. It's like a workshop in here. It's a safe environment for you to maybe step outside of what your comfort zone has been. And we're going to start with, here's the key to, to worship. You've got to get a revelation, an understanding, a greater expansion of understanding what worship really is, what the power, the power that's in worship. Once you really get an understanding, your heart is the first thing to lead you. And then maybe your hands and your mouth and your feet will follow you. You see, you see, the Bible says that if we just are shouting, but there's, but it's not genuine. It's just a clanging symbol. It's just obnoxiousness. But if it's from the heart, and then as the psalm, the, Paul says, let men everywhere raise holy hands without wrath and without doubt. That's what the Bible says. And so we want to uh, shepherd you into a greater worship expression and a greater worship experience. And uh, so I'm going to invite, we're going to have Heather uh, is going to lead us off. Each one of them get seven minutes and I'm going to, I'm going to be the, it's not right for me to be the one with the stopwatch because I blow it all the time. But, you know, let me be hypocritical today and, and, and contain them seven minutes each. We'll have Heather come. Then we'll have Kirsten come up. Then we'll have Josh come up who is leading the, uh, leading the youth, the fusion church. And then we'll, then we'll have the old sage. Then we'll have, then we'll have the old sage come up and uh, take us home. And then we're just going to launch into worship. Amen. So Heather, come on up, lead us girl. Thank you. I will. Okay. I got to get going. All right. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you today about worship. I feel like I could probably keep you guys here all day, but I have seven minutes. So here we go. Um, John asked us the question, what motivates us to worship? And right away I thought, well, Jesus does because he's so cool. And um, I started to think about that a little bit more and what that means. And before I get into what I really want to talk about, I just want to lay a foundation that we were created to worship something. I mean, originally we were created to worship the almighty God with a covenant and a relationship with him in the garden. Um, But what's happened over the centuries of time and with sin and the fall of man is we started worshiping other things. Um, Webster's defines it as a reverent love and devotion to a deity, idol or sacred object 
It means to regard something with ardent and adoring esteem. It means to be devoted to something. We're all devoted to something football. Movie stars, money, careers. You know, these are the things that are replacing our worship of the Lord many times. Um, so we all worship something. I find it interesting that there's such a fascination uh, with superheroes. You know, it's because we're designed to magnify something, to make something bigger that is awesome, more mighty and wonderful than we are. I mean, you look at little kids and nobody, you know, says, I want to be a secretary for Halloween, <laughs> you know. And I was a secretary for 20 years, so I can make fun of them. Um, no, it's the heroes, because we're in our DNA designed to worship something. Even creation itself, Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech and language where their voice is not heard. And then in Luke, when, um, when the people were worshiping Jesus as he came into Jerusalem on the donkey, they said, doesn't it bother you that they're, that they're worshiping you, basically? And he said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. So God designed creation. He designed us to worship. Um, The second thing I want to say that I think is really critical is that worship is a lifestyle. If we reduce it to 30 minutes on Sunday morning, we have missed the entire point. Worship is a lifestyle of love and devotion and affection to Jesus because he has done so much for us. Um, It's about knowing and experiencing him daily and in every aspect of our life. Romans says, Romans 12, 1, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. It's a lifestyle. All right, how am I doing on time? All right. The last thing that I want to talk about, I have four pages of notes and Mark's like, what, what a rookie. (laughs) I could just keep going. Okay. So the last thing that I want to share, and this is probably the, where my motivation for worship comes. John just touched on it, that it's a natural response to revelation. Okay. It's God in his just amazing love for us has created this cycle where he reveals himself to us knowing that the response of worship automatically comes and then we get hungry for more because spiritual appetites are not like natural appetites and the natural you eat you're full you're satisfied in the spiritual you're hungry you eat you're hungry for more so he knows that so he reveals something to us which causes this expression of worship to just be poured out on him, and then it creates more hunger, which causes more revelation and more encounter. It's an invitation into an experience with God. So the greater our revelation of who God is, the greater our worship is going to be. It's impossible to encounter the presence of God and not respond with absolute wonder. God is so overwhelmingly good, and Jesus is so fascinating. And the wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit is he loves to reveal the Father to us. That's his job. The last thing I would like to just leave with you is that take all the pressure off. It's not up to you to reveal God. 
It's not out of striving. It's not out of, you know, being good, behaving, you know, all that kind of stuff. God, his job is to reveal himself. Our job is to sit still so he can. (laughs) Don't be so busy. We talked about this last week in worship. Don't be so busy that you're not taking the time to slow down and let the Lord reveal himself. Partner with the Holy Spirit. He's a great teacher. And he loves to teach. It's just not fair, is it? Seven minutes is not fair, isn't it? Neither is 45, honestly. You just have so much to say, but... How many of you were already impacted by what Heather already shared? I was. I mean, it's just... See, it's, amen, it's just revelation. So, but it's also throwing yourself out there. It's not God just revealing himself to you. It's you and I deciding that we're going to be a little bit uninhibited and kind of come out of our fear comfort zone. And when you step out like that, God means draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. And you'll have an opportunity to do a little bit of that in just a little bit. But let's invite Kirsten up as she comes to give us the word of the Lord. And I want to say, this isn't the first and last time that you guys are going to be able to share. So, so you can uh, just give us a little bit now, a little bit later. Well, I love how Heather preached my whole message, or at least my first three pages. So that's good. I left those at home. I have four more, so we're good. Um, I want to start off by reading Psalms 105, and the Amplified Version does an amazing job of describing what the psalmist wrote. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his doings among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Meditate on and talk of all his marvelous deeds and devoutly praise them. Glory in his name. Let the hearts of those who rejoice and who seek and require the Lord. And here's verse 4, which is just... Amazing. Seek, inquire of and for the Lord. Crave him and his strength. Seek and require his face and his presence continually evermore. And to me, setting aside the label worship, that is what we were created for. As Heather talked about, each one of us was created for his glory. Isaiah 43 goes on and on about how we were made for his glory. It talks about how he summoned us by name, how he defines us as his beloved. We were created. Each one of you was created to worship him. Now get the idea of what you think worship is out of your mind for just a moment, because I want to redefine it a little bit or give you maybe a different perspective. For me, worship is simply craving the presence of God. That's what I was created for. When I watch little kids playing, when I see them out there, you see this little boy with a soccer ball, and he's amazing. You think, he could be professional, and he's only eight. He was created with a skill that God gave him to play that game. Well, each one of you was created with a skill and a desire and a purpose, and that was to crave the presence of God. And you may think, I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. I can't do this. I can't do that. No, no, no. That's not what worship is about. Worship is not about being a great singer. It's not about being an instrumentalist. It's about craving the presence of God. 
And each one of you can do that. And and it says we can require his face. He's giving us permission to require that he comes in. And it's not on Sunday morning, like Heather said. It's throughout the week. It's when you're driving your kids to school. It's when you're sitting at your desk at work. It's wherever you're at. His presence is there because he is always with us. And I think what really hits it for me is that that's the personal side of worship. We each can have that and crave that throughout the week. But there's something truly magnificent about coming together on Sundays and doing it together. And that's truly what I want to focus on today. I had this picture. I had, first of all, I had this ex- phrase going through my mind, exchange of hearts. It's all about affection. It's about craving God and giving him everything that we are. It's an exchange of our heart, our love, our devotion, our worship to him. And in return, receiving his love, his devotion, his delight. He delights in us. We're his children. And as we come together as children, we get to experience the father's love. And to me, that is another motivation for worship. And I saw this picture of a child running to daddy and daddy picking him up in his arms and loving on him and the son kissing on his face and and the daddy kissing back. And I I've seen it in my own household. I love to watch my kids show affection to Bruce. I just I think it it makes me happy as a mom. And I love that it only takes one child running up to him to start the process. And guess what happens next? All the other kids come running in and daddy picks them all up and it's a love encounter as a family. And that's what Sunday mornings is all about. You get to come in and love on daddy. He gets to love on you and it inspires the rest of us to love on daddy and to have daddy love on us. And so I just encourage you, put aside what you think worship is supposed to look like. And come in and just love on Daddy Sunday mornings. Do it throughout the week. And when you come on Sunday mornings and love on Daddy, it should inspire other people to do the same thing. Amen. I told the worship team that uh, my, my greatest uh, inspiration is King David, who was uh, the king and he was supposed to be so dignified. And our reputations and our image is so important to us. We don't want to act like little children would in church or in the presence of God. And yet David, who's a king, uh, you know, dances around the, in the streets in Jerusalem in his underwear or his ephod, as they called it, his undergarments. And his wife, who was all concerned about her image, uh, rebuked him. And so God closed her womb. And he said, woman, you haven't seen anything yet. I'll be a lot more indignified than this. And God said, there's a man after my own heart. So I told the worship team that if I were to share today, that would be mine. And then I'd probably possibly I'd be provoked to do an illustrated sermon. So my wife thanks the Lord that I'm not going to be teaching today. But now Josh is coming up in the ranks. And uh, Mike, our youth pastor, has been uh, praying for a youth worship uh, band for a long time, and God brought Josh and Daryl Lee, and they are rocking the house. Josh, come on. It's kind of hard to uh, bring 2,000 years of trying to explain worship into seven minutes, but uh, it's all good. It's all here. 
<laughs> it's in the book. So, you know, it's, it's weird for me not to have a guitar in my hand. So if I start doing this, I'm, I'm not weird or anything. It's just it's like a dog grabbing his chew toy, you know. So, <laughs> so when John asked me to, um, to you know, r- speak on something, on speak on what makes me worship, what makes me tick, and I really started kind of thinking about it. I'm like, okay, God, what makes me tick? What motivates me to worship you and to seek you? And um, what came to me was uh, Father. And it's encountering and connecting with the Father. And a lot of us have a not-so-good image of what a father is, because maybe our natural fathers disappointed us time and time again, weren't there. Maybe you didn't grow up with a father. So coming and worshiping God the Father, the Father, is like, I'm doing this, but I'm not really connecting. I'm just kind of just doing it. And I just think, you know, when, when we encounter the Father, he's coming to change that. I feel like there's like a supernatural uh, this morning. It's like a relief. So God may be depositing seeds in each one of you. He may be even sprouting that in you. And I hope that this will help you give a new perspective, get a new perspective of who God the Father is. Um, I do have a scripture here. Um, it's in Isaiah 43. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you. I mean, I love the fact that we sang how he loves us this morning. It's just like, that's it. You know, that's, that's, God loves us so much. And the reason why I worship is so I can encounter the Father. And when I think about his love for me, when I think about him giving Jesus for me, it just motivates me so much more, so much more further to push and just be like, God, thank you so much. And when, um, where is she? Kirsten, there you are. <laughs> when you, when you talked about, um, how when we run into our father's arms and he scoops us, up, like, scoops us up, how safe did you feel when your dad just scoops you up and you're just like, oh, okay, good, I'm safe now, you know? It's exactly what happens when you run to Father God. So this generation, um, what I was saying before about false um, views of the father, this generation has looked to so many things for identity and purpose. Because fathers speak identity and purpose into their kids. And when you have identity and purpose, you can pursue life with confidence. You have confidence in who you are. You have confidence in who God is and who your father is. So this generation has looked to so many other things for identity and purpose. False fathers. What this generation needs is a revelation of Father God. He's already written eternity in our hearts and has given us a longing for purpose. It just needs to be awakened. And how do you awaken that? Worship. Prayer. You awaken that by pursuing the Father, the true Father, in worship. How am I doing on time? I got a couple minutes. Hmm. <laughs> this is good. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. To the point. But I just... 
Does that speak to anybody? Did that deposit anything into anyone's heart? Sweet. That's good. That's what I wanted. That was my prayer. I mean, when he asked me to, to, to speak about this and the father came up, um, I was just overwhelmed. I put, I put on Bethel worship. I had my guitar. I had my notebook out. And just God just came and just deposited that into my heart. So I hope it spoke to you. And I hope that when we worship, we could just approach God the Father and just totally open up and let him awaken that in you. All right? Cool. Is that yours? You're going to be the most popular preacher in this house because you didn't even use up all your time. I like what one person said, uh, be clear, be clear, be brief, be seated. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I would like to uh, suggest that um, Mark's going to come up. And I'm going to have Mark uh, do his uh, bit and then we're going to just jump. Then we're going to jump into worship. I want to suggest that just like prayer, when we turned our face to the wall, and that means you've got to believe God is there when you're talking to the air. Right. And we found out that with Hezekiah, he was and extended his life 15 years. When we come in here for me, I really believe God is listening. I really believe God sees us. That's why you see me dancing around up here. I, I really believe he really likes that. I think he really, really likes it when we express our worship to him. And that's why he comes and heals and saves and delivers. I think he loves it. He loves the exchange. And I do know something else. Hell really hates it. Amen. Mark. Can we welcome Mark? I, uh, I, know the, I know the applause would be greater, but the geriatrics in the house don't have the energy to move their hands. So it would have been a lot louder had, had my age group really responded these guys have all dealt really, really well, um, very impressive, with the motivation for worship and the definition of worship. I want to deal with the how-to to get us some practical skills into how we begin to enter into this relationship with God, particularly when we come here. Could you put up uh, John 4:23, Chris, on the screen? I'm just going to read it while he looks for it. But the hour is coming and is now here. That was written almost 2,000 years ago. It could have been written this morning. The hour is coming, and it's now, and it's here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. We don't come out of, our, out of our hunger. We come from his hunger. We share in his hunger for this experience called worship, which is where we meet him and he meets us. God is spirit. Listen, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. What does it mean to worship in spirit? I'm not going to spend a long time on this. This is part of another sermon, and this was the, in spirit was the first half, in truth is the second. I'm going to go straight to in truth. But here's the definition of worship in the spirit. It means to worship through the empowering 
of the Holy Spirit. It actually means, and this is really absolutely theologically correct, it actually means to enter into an altered state of consciousness through the power of the Holy Spirit. So you should expect when worship is happening the way God designed it, it isn't what preceded it and it's not what follows it. It is an altered state of unity with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can tell when it's happening. Are you with me? You know when it's happening. Now, listen, this is not something we create and we should not try to because this kind of unity with God is brought about through the Holy Spirit. We can't jack it up. When Jesus says that we will worship the Father in spirit, the word worship, the verb here in the Greek is in the active voice. Now, here's the trick. Worship is something that Holy Spirit does to produce this altered state. Yet because the word worship, the verb is in the active voice, it means it's our responsibility to initiate it. Isn't that odd? We're trying to initiate something we can't do. But we have an obligation to initiate worship. How do you initiate worship? I think the second part of the verse leads to the key. It's not just worship in the spirit, something that he does. It's also in truth. What does it mean to worship in truth? Well, the basics of these. We're worshiping a God who is true in accordance with scripture And our understanding of him is accurate. But I don't want to stop there. Worship in truth is more than that. Worship in truth has a lot to do with integrity. How I am when I come to worship. Do you understand what I'm saying? Integrity. What's the root? When we say someone has integrity, what are we really saying about him? What's the root of this word? Here's the root of this word. Integration. You have integrity when all the parts of your being come together as one to do any activity. Now, what am I talking about? Look, we're physical, right? Hello? We're mental. We think. We have emotions. And underneath of all of that, wonder of wonders, we have this thing called our spirit, which is in touch with God's spirit. So there's really four parts. Body. Soul, emotions, mind, and this eternal part, that's spirit. When we worship with integrity, all of those four parts come together in the activity and they join as one. The whole person meets God. Now, what's the, why is this the key to anything? Well, worship usually works like this. At least here's how it works for me. And it probably works this way for you. I come to worship and I'm worried about everything in the world. I'm worried about the drop in the stock market. I'm worried about the football game, whether my DVR is going to properly record it. I'm worried about whether my wife still loves me, given my behavior in the last three days. I'm worried about all sorts of human things. I am distracted. So I come and the music starts. And if it's one of those like bouncy songs, I find my foot tapping. And because I'm old, this is it. I'm dancing crazily right now. This is abandoned. This is giving myself wholeheartedly to the rhythm. And because I'm white, it never works. <laughs> I got no rhythm, but I'm entering in. All that's entering in at this point is my body. 
My brain is still worried about all sorts of stuff. My emotions are distracted. But the worship has a hold of me just because of the music alone. It's just begin to get a hold of me. And my foot's now going. And I'm starting to kind of enjoy the rhythm. If I will go with that. If I will just let myself enter into the, just a physical aspect of worship. Something else will happen. I will start to notice the lyrics of the song. And it's, it's, I mean, I've sung, you'll sing a song, um, How He Loves Us. Huh. Every time we get to that part, about a sloppy wet kiss, something just touches me. I have an emotional response just thinking about that line. Of being loved like that by the Father. And now, see, now, something's bubbling in my emotions. Now, a long time ago, I would just shut that down. Can't show emotion in church. I can't. Too vulnerable, and it's my, it's my image. I can't risk it, see? So I would shut that down and squash it. The minute I choose to squash that reaction, there's a part of me that's not in integrity. Because the body's already started to worship, but the emotions are going over our dead body. Stop it, body. Stop it. But if I let myself dwell on those lyrics and it starts to touch my heart, if I will let my body begin to worship the way my heart is experiencing, my hands will come out of my pocket and I will be reaching out to him. See, integrity happens when the body and the heart and the mind and the spirit are all doing the same thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? But we have a choice as to whether we allow that integrity, that integration to happen. So here's all I want to say to you. Look, sometimes it begins with your mental perception that that line I'm singing right now is the truth. That's the mind responding first. That's the truth. That then leads to some kind of emotional response. He is good. I love him. Strange of all, he loves me. And then my body wants to praise him. My hands want to reach out. Maybe I want to bow down. Maybe I want to jump up and down. Maybe I want to celebrate. A lot of the times I just find myself crying. Genuine worship in a church, a lot of people cry. And you know what? None of them know why. None of them know why. I remember this time, a church up in Canada, worship was really intense and powerful, and two girls that hadn't seen each other since high school met. One had been in the church for two years, and the other one had been there for three or four weeks. Hi, hi, I heard about this conversation afterwards. Hi, where have you been? Oh, I didn't know you go to this church. No, I've been coming for three weeks. What do you think of it? Well, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Well, I just cry every Sunday. And I don't know why. And the first girl says, well, do you carry extra Kleenex? And the second one says, yeah, I started doing that after the first week. But it isn't working. What do you mean it isn't working? Well, I'm just crying all the time. First one says, have you got waterproof makeup? I've been using that for over a year. The second one says, I started that last Sunday. But look, it's still streaking. And she goes, well, that's all I can tell you. And the first one goes, what's happening to me? And the second one says, I don't know, but it's good. And it's still happening to me. Ah, Guys, we've been doing this for, I've been doing this for like going on 30 plus years. I still cry in worship. But it's good. Integrity is when we allow 
all of the parts of our being to interact with him in worship. It's called freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is and he is working, there is freedom. And freedom is you forget about what you look like. You forget about the person in front of you or behind you. And you just let it go. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it looks like. So let's do it. But listen, here's how you purpose to do it. You say, okay, in about three minutes we're going to worship. This time, people, this is a workshop today. This time, I am not going to care what anybody thinks. And this time, I am going to do whatever the Spirit is doing inside of me. I'm going to let it get to the surface. And I will experience freedom. And that freedom will change your understanding of God and will change you. Amen. (laughs) Amen. You guys can head on up. Okay. Let me, let me say, let me say this. Now, for some of you, you wish to God you didn't come today. Um, and here's one of the reasons why. A person that had, that's inhibit, un, that is inhibited in worship feels very uncomfortable in a charismatic church. Just like Mark said yesterday, somebody who is sick can be really uncomfortable in a charismatic church because people are being healed. And there's kind of this expectation to be healed. Well, you can also have this expectation, oh, now I have to do all this if I have real integrity. This is what I want to say. This is between you and God. So don't become a worship sheriff of your spouse. Okay, youth, don't, don't just do it because it's the cool thing to do. This has got to have integrity. That means you move at your own pace. Okay, we're going to encourage you to worship. We're going to teach on it like this. We're going to we're going to say, come on, man, step out. But with that exhortation, that encouragement, you still are allowed to do what you feel like you can do at this moment. That way, even though we are all saying, let's keep moving forward, you can still move at your own pace and not feel like you're being judged. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay. so let's. Let's just focus on our, uh, what you're doing with God. Don't worry about what the person next to you is doing. If they're twirling and they are hitting you in the face, you might just want to move over a little bit. If the person next to you has their hands in their pockets, here's what I've learned. They may be having an encounter with God. It just doesn't look like yours. Amen? Amen. So what I know is God's loving this. So youth, go down the, and make the pit worship God again. We even make the pit worship God around here. Let's all stand and let's get into this. We're just going to worship for about a half hour. And this is an opportunity for you not only to break out a little beyond your comfort zone today, but it's also for you to become a worshiper every day of your life. Father, we ask you for encounters in here this morning. Father, we ask you to reveal yourself in this house today. Father, we pray, Father, for those. Mark said an altered state. Let me qualify that. An altered state doesn't always have to look like you're shaking and quaking on the ground. An altered state, could it simply means that you are starting to connect with God. Like when I'm worshiping and then somebody comes up and they interrupts me, they, they, they take me out of my focus on God. It doesn't mean that you're... Doing something weird, okay? Alright, it just means that you're, you're going into this place with God. And that's what we want to do.
Father, we want to come into a place with you. We want this to be real. And it's real with your presence. When your presence fills the house. So God, receive our praise.